Like the 12 Days of Christmas, but shorter, it's short and sweet parenting tips. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's short and sweet parenting tip, episode 24. I am so excited to have sleep coach Christine Stevens for the next few episodes talking about sleep for our kids and babies. Today's episode is part one of two on infants. We'll be talking about the number one sleep problem and the solution. We'll cover what to do when your baby is overtired or overstimulated, plus what sleep hygiene with baby looks like. And that's just this episode. Christine founded Sleep Solutions by Christine, and she is the sleep coach for exhausted parents, and her offices are in the D.C. area, but she helps people all over the world. So welcome, Christine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being willing to share some of your expertise because I feel like sleep is is an issue I've been wanting to talk to for a long time because it really applies to every parent and every child. Well, absolutely. It is definitely a uh, one of the big chief complaints amongst parents. <laughs> Amen. I've been there. I'm sure everyone's been there. The most important question I think to start out with is why quality sleep and quantity uh, for babies is so important. Yeah, good, good start off question. It's uh, sleep is really, really important, especially for babies, infants, um, because the majority of brain growth happens in the first three years of life. Oh, wow. That's when we grow is when we are sleeping. Take, for instance, a newborn. You come home from the hospital. Babies are sleeping anywhere from it could be, you know, 16 to 18 hours per day. Wow. Yeah. They're sleeping a lot. So by the time they're about three months old, now they're sleeping usually about 15, 16 hours a day. By the time they're six months, uh, they're sleeping somewhere between 14 to 15 hours a day. Wow. And then by the time they get to be about a year old and older, most toddlers are sleeping somewhere between uh, 12 to 13 hours per day. So that all includes nighttime and naps, but they need the opportunity to get a lot of sleep. Um, But it does change significantly, especially over that first year. If you're talking in terms of bedtime, I really love early bedtimes. As I mentioned, that kids need a lot of sleep, so we want to give them the opportunity to to do that. One of those myths of keeping a baby up later will make them sleep longer is actually not the best thing to do. It's going to have the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. I really love bedtime somewhere between 7 seven to eight o'clock at night, Wow, um, I think are ideal bedtimes. Now, every family's a little bit different because they're natural early wakers. Oh, no Those kids kidding. will be up between six and seven <laughs> in the morning. Let's give them a chance. Yeah. I, on a- I mean, honestly, on average, most kids are somewhere between uh, 10 and a half to 11 and a half hours a night and then taking, you know, taking some naps during the day. Well, and, and you talking about an early bedtime reminds me of, and we called it the witching hour. She would just be on fire from maybe 8 to 11 at night. Would that be avoided with an earlier bedtime or, or what's up with that? It's when kids start to get overtired, when they're constantly staying up much, much later than they should be, that, that you really can have that bit of that witching hour where kids are just extremely tired. They've been awake way mm-hmm. too long for their age and they're just overtired, they're wired, they don't know what to do, and they're just falling apart. So sometimes that can look like the witching hour. Yeah, you touched on this, um, but I know with our firstborn especially, the term overstimulated was thrown out a lot, 
And we felt like that was what was going on with our daughter, that she couldn't calm down to sleep. And there was absolutely nothing. We'd be in a dark room with the lights off holding her, and we still couldn't get her to calm down. Can you just put some pieces together for me? Yeah, the the overstimulation can happen with with babies, with toddlers, I, heck, with adults. Amen. Um, <laughs> it, it just gets to be, everything seems to be overwhelming. But remember, for babies, especially newborns, very, very young infants, Everything they smell, touch, taste, hear, everything is new to them. Wow. So it's, you know, that's where you can get some times where it's just hard to calm them down. Or if they're overtired, if they haven't been getting enough sleep, uh, naps haven't been going well in, you know, newborns that are up for hours on end and they're not sleeping. So when a child's not getting enough sleep, it's harder to get them to fall asleep. And then they're going to have more broken sleep. It's really trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. Do we have the right timing? Is the right bedtime? Uh, They don't know how to handle being exhausted and tired. and Now they're Mm -hmm. just wired and they don't know what to do. So. Well, and I know, again, every kid is different. You just have to know your kid. But I do know a lot of parents who just say, my kid won't nap. They won't sleep. If the baby is in a cycle of being overtired, how do you even break that? The first thing I would tell a parent that is getting into that position is then you've got to get them to bed and start getting baby some more sleep and giving them the opportunity to get more sleep. So start with start with an early bedtime and make sure that baby is actually getting a chance to, to get some sleep however you can. Mm-hmm. Then you start working on things like, well, how is baby falling asleep? Is it that you're using constant amounts of motion to get them to sleep? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that um, there are people who their kid just won't fall asleep on their back and they're like, can't I just put them on their stomach because they're not falling asleep on their back? Um, What's your response to something like that? Well, I mean, I I understand that some children really do like to sleep on their tummies and when they can roll independently, let them them sleep on their tummies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would not recommend putting a baby down intentionally. And that comes from the Safe Sleep campaign. And it was proven that placing babies on their backs to sleep cut the rate of SIDS by 50%. Wow. I would not put them on their tummy just because you think they'll sleep better that way. And, you know, other caregivers... Make sure they get yes. that message as well. Right, know, babies, young babysitters. Well, we, well, young babysitters, uh, old, the older generation, you know, older generation, yeah. Yeah. grandparents, because well, we put you to sleep on your tummy. Why can't we put your baby on? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's a fun place to navigate. But when it comes to yeah. when it comes to babies, baby safety, right. that's got to be number one. Uh, what about swaddling? Because I know that made a difference, a really snug swaddle. And my husband was the expert swaddler. I could not do it to save my life. <laughs> um, so so where does swaddling come into play? And what's your recommendation? Swaddling is great for newborns. A wonderful thing. Newborns have the startle reflex. Remember, they have the startle reflex, the marrow yeah, reflex. Right, right. Where their arms will just flail out. And unfortunately, they just... You know, they really don't know how to handle that. So swaddling can be a wonderful tool. And there are so many swaddles in the market now that uh, that are Velcro. You don't have to have a master's degree in, in origami to be able to, <laughs> right. to bundle your kid up like a burrito and get them to stay there. Yeah, yeah. By the time babies are, are they're rolling or by the time that babies are about 12 weeks old is when you want to start getting them out of their swaddles. 
because you don't want we don't want baby rolling over and their arms are pinned to their sides. We right. want baby to be right. able to push and move around and things like that. So just uh, do it gradually. One arm out for a couple of nights, then the other arm out a couple of nights, swaddle the bottom half, and then take it off. But okay. just don't go cold turkey on a, on a Interesting. Yeah, I would have never thought mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, it was kind of um, organic with our kids um, to, when they were done with swaddling. So mm-hmm. what's the what would you say is the number one sleep problem that you see with babies, and what's the solution? The number one thing I see from parents is parents really don't think that their kid can sleep. Oh, interesting. Or they've wow. just become so used to waking up so much all night long and doing something to get baby to go back to sleep that they just resign themselves to, well, this is the way that it has to be. Hmm. It doesn't have to. Your baby can sleep a couple hours and, you know, stretches at night and things like that. But babies, just like toddlers, just like adults, wake up all night long. So when anybody says, my kid sleeps through the night, yeah, their kid wakes up in the middle of the mm-hmm. night. Um, mm-hmm. The difference is that the babies that know how to put themselves to sleep and do it independently and get practice at doing it are going to be a way, way better than kids that are constantly relying on something to be done to them in yeah. order to sleep. If you're bouncing your kid up and down on a yoga ball to get them to sleep, and you're like, okay, this is great. I bounce you a couple times, and I put you back in bed. Everything's great. Okay, if it works. Um, but when your baby wakes up in the middle of the night, and that's how they've learned how to fall asleep, well, they're going to look for that thing. If it's working for you and your kid's getting enough sleep, great, go for it. But when you're getting up every hour to two hours all night long to bounce your kid on a yoga ball, mm-hmm. whatever that is, then you go, well, maybe this isn't, this isn't quite the way it's supposed to be. So what's the solution then? If it's no longer working, you got to do something different. You know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over right. and over again, expecting a different result. So. If you just keep going, well, I'll just keep bouncing you up and down on a yoga ball every single night, and it's no longer working, well, then you've got to change. And you've got to, if you're going to change, do it in a way that works for you. You can't just, you, you can get all the advice in the world from mm-hmm. your best friend, right. from your mom, from a book, whatever. But if, if that doesn't resonate with you and you don't feel like that's a method that works for you, then don't use it. You don't have to. It's one of the things that I help clients do is figure out really what is the best method for you out there. You can choose to be as supportive as you like. There's not night, night, see you later. No, that's not not mm. the way that I that I would be okay. comfortable doing it. Well, okay. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I mean, so say I'm a mom who uses an exercise ball to get my kid to sleep and that stops working. Then I move to walking the house at night for a few weeks and then that stops working. I mean, is it just kind of, I don't know if crutch is the right word. And I know us moms, when we're exhausted, we just do what works. You know, like really, we just do what works. Is that a cycle, though, that that you would recommend to get out of? Or are you saying, hey, if that works for you, then go for it? Yeah, some people will tell me that that they absolutely love love co-sleeping and bed sharing with with their children. While it's not a philosophy that I'm... I'm a fan of, if you're getting plenty of sleep and your baby's getting plenty of sleep and you're doing it safely, if that's working for you and your entire family, bed sharing needs to be a family decision. Mm-hmm. If it's working for mom, if it's working for your for her spouse, mm-hmm. uh, for baby and everything is, is okay, I say go for it. That's, that is your choice as a parent. 
uh, the other parents that started bed sharing really did it out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And that's usually the, the majority of parents that I find is that we did it out of necessity. We did it because we didn't know what else to do mm -hmm. and it worked. But it, when it no longer works, then you got to either find a new situation or, you know what, maybe we need to eliminate the prop and really start helping, you know, letting baby kind of develop their own way of falling asleep. You know, really starting to teach independent sleep habits versus having to rely on some kind of crutch prop to get baby to sleep. So what about sleep hygiene? I know that's a term that's thrown around a lot nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. And what, what would sleep hygiene look like for a baby? Good sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is just going to be, are they starting to develop healthy sleep habits? That's what sleep hygiene really is. Okay. Do they have a, sa a safe place to sleep? You know, I follow the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations so that babies are sleeping on, on firm surfaces such as a crib mattress, a bassinet, a pack and play, portable crib, mm -hmm. uh, mini cribs, things like that. Not an adult bed, not a, not a couch, not a chair, things like a that. A recliner. Right. So... Bear is best when it comes to cribs and bassinets. We don't need those giant toys in there. Uh, we don't need giant blankets. We don't need bumpers. All those things can be a mm. suffocation hazard. Mm -hmm. It's not worth the risk. It's not really? worth the risk, yeah. yeah. And, and frankly, those things are tied on with like the teeniest, tangiest little ties. I would hate to see a baby get wrapped up because it does happen. And yeah. we do everything we can, uh, especially when I'm working with a, with a client to make sure that baby's sleeping in a safe place. Screen time is just one of the pieces of sleep hygiene. And when they talk about it in terms of babies, yeah, it's really recommended for children under two years of, of age that they get less than two hours a day. The other thing, too, is that, yes, they're going to see screens, but it's not like I have to shield your eyes. Um, best rule of thumb, no screens one hour before bedtime. Even as baby gets older, into the toddler years, into the school age years, because the, even with a blue light filter... The, the, wave, okay. the blue wavelength of light that's coming out of that screen mm -hmm. is telling our brains to stay awake. Yeah, d it, does baby FaceTime with grandma every day? Okay. Just don't do it right before bedtime. Right, right, yeah. Um, the other part, too, about infants and sleeping and hygiene is, you know, rooming in is fine. Having your baby right next to your bed is totally fine. You can mm -hmm. let baby sleep in your room as long as you like. You've got to have, do night feedings, things like that. Great. Mm -hmm. Have baby right there. So definitely recommend rooming in for at least six months. So that's, okay. that's the basics of, of sleep hygiene. With Are there any safety issues with bed sharing? Yeah, the safety issues with bed sharing tend to be that babies are sleeping in adult beds. Even just the youngest babies can scoot around. Heaven forbid we don't ever want a baby to fall out of bed. Mm -hmm. uh, we also don't want a baby to get rolled up in blankets. Uh, oh, get yeah. their face up against a pillow. Um, there's so many suffocation hazards when it comes to adult beds and bed sharing. Now, again, if you really, really decide that you need to have baby that close, put that pack and play, put that crib, put that okay. bassinet right next to your bed. Okay. Baby's got their own space to sleep in. Yeah. So I never recommend, I never recommend bed sharing at any age. Okay. I'm always uh, going to follow the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations that babies need to be sleeping in their own space such as a bassinet crib okay. pack and play okay whatever that is well that's all we have time for in this short and sweet parenting tip infants part one christine thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with us 
Thank you so much for having me. And again, if anyone has any questions you think down the road, you're not sure, go to my website, www.sleepsolutionsbychristine.com and send me a contact request. Let's talk about your individual situation and what's going on. Also, check out things on my website. Uh, I have a webinar that you can watch for free that's called Help, My Kid Won't Sleep. (laughs) And it's going to talk about the three things that you need in order to help your child sleep well at night. So go check that out. I think you'll find that really, really helpful. Definitely. Hope to see everyone next week when we'll discuss how to get your baby out of poor sleeping cycles, when to know if you need to seek outside help, plus we'll debunk some sleep myths for you. Thanks for joining us for this week's short and sweet parenting tip, fresh ideas in bite-sized portions.